Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WindDailySports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WindDailySports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in WinBig or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation! We are back and we're bringing in the big guns tonight anyone who bets on golf and follows along on twitter knows who james is james the degenerate 75 the host of the hoedown showdown james how you doing tonight i mean i'm great i uh i i've been i've been watching for a long time and uh i've 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 i'm telling i was telling you guys beforehand i i've put way too much thought into this draft like i'm a when i tell you i'm the leader of the sweaty tryhards wait till you see about my roster composition tonight and how much i thought out this draft you will see what i mean by this i love it i love it you're gonna need that preparation because we are all bringing the heat the memorial is a big time tournament right it's not a major but this is a big time tournament it's not it's not every week we get this many of the big guns in one field you know the, the only <laughs> it's crazy to say this the only thing we're missing now is Liv, because if Brooks was in this tournament, it literally would be an actual major. But I'm excited. We got a great week ahead of us. See, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm so glad to have James, a.k.a. the Degenerate 75 on. I mean, listen, James, I got to tell you, I, I feel like you, you have grown so fast and it's because you're just so good at what you do. Not just the technical stuff when it comes to DFS. You're so entertaining. I've already seen our chat completely blow up with some rest references from your show, Tell Em Polly, Mother Fathers, you name it. There's just so much in there already, which I absolutely love. I'm just so happy to have you on the show. I think you're you're absolutely great. And by the way, this preparation that you've got, listen, you're on the draft cast now. I'll tell you right now, that's probably going to go out the window in like one or two picks because your guys, I know you're, you like to be different, but your guys are going to get stolen. See your audience. I want to tell you right now, let's get different. Let's steal the guys that we think James is on. It's brutal. Hey, uh, you, you, I just wanted to point out something. I, I should have led with this, but you, you say that you're, you know, so honored to have me on. I just want you to know that uh, I, I'm the one that's honored. I got Joel, who I think I have to officially put on my uh, uh, Mount Rushmore of Showdown because I am the Showdown guy, and this guy's just an absolute killer. Spencer, who does my uh, my favorite course breakdown, he's concise and precise as anybody in the industry, and gets straight to the things that actually matter. And then Sia, the most polished man in DFS content for uh, uh, content, and I will fight somebody on that. So uh, I'm the one that's honored. That's awesome. Joel, can I, can I just add you 150K in showdown last week? But the Memorial, and I want to get to the course breakdown and get into this, but the Memorial, that's the one where Ron was assessed the two-stroke penalty. You lost, what, a million dollars because of that? Remind us? <laughs> Not quite. 100,000? It did feel like a million. It was 150K. Um, it was two years ago, and it was the one where the stupid stroke penalty because the club hit a blade of grass – Affected nobody in the golf tournament except for me 
who dropped me in showdown from first to second, which was $150,000 swing. So, Hey, I was playing in the secondary $5 that day, and I jumped from fourth to second. Won me an extra 8000 So we'll call it even. We'll call it even. <laughs> Send them a check for 4 k you, you guys will be great. James, I respect your strategy. You came on here early, and you butted us all up, got us feeling good about yourself, so then you can go in for the kill during the draft. I see what you did there. It's a smart strategy. I haven't seen that one yet, but I like it. I'm a wily veteran. I've been I've been, <laughs> I've been I've been making moves for a while. Yeah. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well. It's an honor to have you on this show, James. And I'm telling everybody right now not to give away too many strategies for this show. Obviously, I'm a very competitive person. I think everybody knows that out there. I'm bringing mayhem and chaos tonight. I love it. Wow. I love it. Well, now you know we're in for an interesting evening. I can't wait. But before we get into things... As James already teased, we got to give you the best course breakdown in the industry. Definitely one you're going to want to play close attention to this week as it will make a big difference to help you pick golfers. So, Spence, what are you looking for here at Murfield Village? Yeah, so we have Mirfield Village. It's over 7,500 yards, par 72, bent grass greens. I think you hear that yardage amount on the scorecard and you immediately get pushed into a direction of believing this course will play similarly to other distance venues that we get yearly. You know, anytime you get these extended properties of length, that often equals the bomb and gouge mindset for the field. But there are a lot of interesting facets to this track that won't get told if you just look at the numbers and try to project the data out from there. So we did get 150 yards added to this tournament in 2021, but that move almost shifted and reversed the data expectation of years past. Since it all of a sudden started to highlight the need for accuracy over distance, when we look into the four-inch rough and then these fiery greens that are nearly impossible to stop your second shot out of when you play out of the thicker stuff, uh, that answer gets told, and it's kind of a puzzle that I'm trying to uncover this week. When you look at the 71.3% driving accuracy in 2022 and the 59.2% GIR percentage, both of those metrics landed over 5% off their expected production rates on a random track on tour. Uh, that tells me a concerted effort was made to reward driving accuracy and punish wayward drives. I think the one thing that's important to keep in mind out there is a lot of people are going to run good drive percentages or accuracy numbers or any of those metrics with it. I'd like to get a little bit different with it. I'd rather look at corollary venues. So that's going to be easy to hit fairways thick, rough, try to find that answer. And that's kind of my way to get unique and different. And you're going to hear a lot of names on this, that it's going to get gross in certain parts of this board. But with James being on tonight, and I feel like this is, while it's not a major championship, this is a very big uh, tournament for the show. I'm going to go all out with some of those picks. So you'll hear some of those names here shortly. Hey, Joel, can I interrupt real quick? Because I want to pull up the board. I want to get this draft started. And that obviously was an amazing course breakdown. I, we always suggest watching it again, maybe over a glass of wine and, and some chocolate or, or some, uh, some biscuits, if you will, as uh, David Bileski, who's producing this show right now, will probably be on next week with us. But, but, but James, real quick, I want to do something. This is a rapid fire thing. And then we're going to pull up the board. We're going to do our first pick. Joel's got the first pick because he won last week. I'm going to ask you green light or donkey chalk. Green light's not a phrase you use, but of course donkey chalk is. So I'm going to say something and you're either going to say, Green light or donkey chalk? These are not golfers. Okay, are you ready? Rapid fire. Green light or donkey chalk? Are you ready? I'm so unprepared, but let's do it. Let's run. That's the point. Seinfeld. Green light or donkey chalk? Green light. Superhero movies. Oh, the donkeyest of donkey chalk. Theme parks. Donkey chalk. Mayonnaise. Oh, that that's green light. 
Um, Game of Thrones. Uh, first six seasons are uh, uh, green light, and uh, the last two seasons are donkey, donkey chalk. Oh, wow. A split. Catch up. Uh, oh, God. Let's go. Uh, green light. Hmm, interesting. Cats. Oh, big green light. Really? Sushi. A- oh, that, yeah. That's donkey chalk. Get out of here. Get out of here. Major League Baseball unwritten rules. Uh, okay. I, I guess because you threw in the unwritten rules, we're going to go green light. But it was it was Donkey Chalk when it was just the first half of that sentence. <laughs> it's Donkey Chalk regardless. The Harry Potter franchise. Oh my God, Donkey Chalk. Uh, White Claws. Uh, Donkey Chalk. So, such Donkey Chalk. Uh, the beach. The beach. Uh, I mean, I live in Oklahoma, so I guess it's Donkey Chalk. Dinner with the loved one on Valentine's Day. That's the final one. <sighs> donkey Chalk. It's such. Donkey chalk. Figure yeah. it out. Do something overrated. different. Overrated. Overrated. That's get right. Of, okay. Get, get out of here. You got with most your of those right. You got some of them wrong. We can discuss. I can't believe you don't like cats. I'm a. I'm such an animal lover. Like you I can't believe I don't like cats. Cats. You, cats you are might great. be the only one that's ever been on this show that likes cats. <laughs> I'm just an animal person. I like. I like just about any animal. I like snakes. I like spiders. I like, only, only animal I don't like are humans. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of humans, Joel, I think it's time to pull up the board. Let's let's go ahead and and draft some of these humans and. Uh, and hopefully make D-Gen sort of squirm in his seat after a few of these picks. That's what I'm hoping, at least. Let's do it. I am excited. As a quick reminder, if anyone's new to the DraftCast, here's how it works. Snake draft, four of us drafting. Works like your typical fantasy football draft. One through four, and then four through one in the second round. The big caveat is you have to stay within salaries. You can't just take all the best golfers. You have to make sure... You budget accordingly so your roster stays within a DraftKings budget. All right. I got the first pick because I won last week and I drafted the winner. So I get to go and pick first. And I like picking first because I like going out there and getting someone who's going to at least be in the top five, which I was able to do last week. And I'm going to do again. And it's the same player, the exact same guy. It's the best golfer in the world. It's Scotty Scheffler. Now, the price is expensive at 11.3. It's very expensive. But the the nice thing about Scotty Scheffler is it's almost as if a top, him falling out of the top 10 is unimaginable, right? Like (laughs) him not being in the top 10 is, him getting 10th would be like, that's pretty disappointing. I was was hoping for better. So top five feels pretty safe at this point. He's playing so well. Like this price could have been 12K, which they were actually started doing last week in Showdown. He actually priced him there because. He was just playing that well, that went appropriate. So at 11-3, I'm happy to pay up even for the most expensive golfer who is quite clearly the best golfer in the world right now. So real quick, I don't think we need to break down Scotty Scheffler. I mean, later in the show, when some of these guys come off the board, James, I do want to ask you maybe how you prioritize, let's say, the top three or four guys, not to give anything away. But um, I, I want to ask you, if you had the first pick, if, if Joel was nice enough to give you the first pick, would it have been Scotty Scheffler? No. All right. Well, there you have it. That's basically smack talk. We've got a rivalry brewing here. Spencer, you've got the second pick. The Tita Green Monster, otherwise known as Scotty Scheffler, is off the board. Where are you going? I assume that James's pick would not be the name that I'm going to take right now either. So from an optimal game theory standpoint, I think there's a couple different ways that you can play this. You're going to see with the direction I take this lineup at some point exactly what I'm doing here, but... I'm also going to eat chalk at the top. I'm going to take John Rahm at $11,000. Uh, number one in my model in weighted <laughs> scoring. 
Uh, number one in my model, when you look at this recalculated total driving percentage that I ran, um, he's number one on fast bent grass greens. There's just a lot to like about him in this tournament. And uh, we told Joel's answer a second ago. I mean, really, if you rem if he doesn't have to withdraw from the tournament, he goes back to back and he wins this. And all of a sudden, the Cantlay course history doesn't have the two wins on there. And all of a sudden, you give it to Ron. Yeah, that's absolutely true. James, it seems like you were a little unsatisfied with that pick because you thought Rom might slip to you. Is that accurate? Yes, I just needed one of those two guys because now I'm forced to take this guy at three and it just tilted my balls just thinking about him on my roster. Well, the anticipation is overwhelming. So let's hear it. Well, I mean, first of all, John Rom was the correct answer on who to take at number one. Uh, anytime people forget about John Rom, just know he's going to win. Yeah. Um, and so now I've got to go with the guy that's number one in my model, which I don't particularly give a real shit about what my model says. But at the same time, like we, you got it with your first pick. You've got to get some win equity with this pick. And this guy clearly, in my opinion, has the third best win equity. And then it's a pretty big drop off, at least uh, 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 at the numbers I'm looking at. So with great reluctance, because I hate everything about this guy, his stupid, boring face, his stupid, <laughs> boring attitude. I know. But He's I am so playing boring. to win. So I'm going to take Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, I mean, this makes sense. It makes sense that these are the first three guys off the board, and, and they're going to be, you know, the, the top three guys from a popularity standpoint in the 10K range. At I least. That's why when you told me I had three, I already foresaw this coming. I could, I could, yeah. before the show even started, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So, Joel, that's on you because you could have given him the second pick, but you saddled him with the third. It's because, James, we don't want you to come here and just like, destroy us okay? i mean you guys, so, you, you guys warned me that you that you, you play for keeps i'm seeing it i'm already seeing it we play for keeps okay we, we need nominations so for those of you that are new to the show in the chat literally you can help us vote uh the c audience it's really just the audience you nominate a player so type a player that you think the audience should draft right now in the chat and if he gets a second nomination well then boom he is on team audience essentially so we have some nominations coming in. I see, of course, Byron, back nine bets, otherwise known as the Model Maniac, is in here. He has put in – you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and – I, I want to be a part of this. I want to second that. But Edward Gale already came in and seconded uh, Terrell Hatton. So he's going to be our first guy at 9,300. And then we're waiting on a second name, or I should say a second nomination from some of the names that have been – oh, it looks like it's Xander. Interesting. Okay. Is it Xander? Oh, yeah, X. Okay, so Brent Harris – has confirmed that Xander, because Razor the Guru and William Calvert nominated uh, Xander. I, I don't really have a problem with Xander. Uh, James, I want to get your opinion here. I love Terrell Hatton for all the obvious reasons. Really, every metric I looked at, from weighted tee to green to weighted approach to around the green, that's weighted too, of course. Uh, distance, accuracy, like he kind of checks most of those boxes. The form is great. Um, I don't think he merits a ton of discussion other than the idea that he might start to get enough steam where he gets up to like the 20% range. I, he's nowhere near there yet, but I just, I could see that happening. It's the Xander one that I'm not super sure about. He's done well here, but he's never really had, you know, an elite finish. I mean, he's usually just sitting in between the 11th and 20th over his last four here. I'm not a huge fan of Xander here. Um, what do you think about him? So I think Spencer said it best when he was uh, giving our course preview. I think this is a course that really uh, involves being good at all four uh, facets of the game. And Xander, 
you know, def- despite not being great at anything, he is good at everything. And uh, I actually think that game translates pretty well to this course. You know, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses like Morikawa's putter, or, you know, Hovland's uh, short game, if we still want to use that uh, uh, an- analogy. So I actually think Xander's a pretty good fit. If I were in that spot, I would have taken Xander with one of those two picks. You need that win equity and the, the dude's a winner when he's on. Yeah, that's fair. Joel, real quick on you. Is it a yes or no on Xander? Just keeping in mind that he's 10-2 and he looks like he's carrying maybe a touch more ownership than I thought. It's probably going to be between, I'm guessing, 17 and 20%. Where are you at on Xander? I think big picture, I'm going to have to say no. And Spencer, yes or no with that context? Yes. All right. I think we got two yeses and two nos on Xander. I don't hate the pick. I just... Um, I probably would have gone a different direction, but I, I do love Terrell Hatton. And I do think there's some win equity locked up in both of those guys. So I don't have a huge problem with it. James, you got Patrick Cantley, certainly a ton of win equity there. Are you going further down the board now, or are you just taking somebody at the top? What's next? No, I think, you know, like I told you, I gave way too much thought to my uh, roster construction. I really wanted to have Rom or Scheffler. And then I, you know, I, I had a really good idea what I wanted the other five uh, pieces to fall into as far as price value. But it's not like Cantlay's like a huge uh, drop off salary wise from those guys. So we're going to we're going to kind of stick to the game plan here. And I'm really just going to start attacking values um, that I want guys that I think are a good course fit, even though this guy might have missed a three foot par putt on the 18th hole of the PGA championship to cost me another fantasy golf world championship ticket. I have forgiveness and my heart like all good pga dfsers should have and i think he's a perfect course fit here so i'm gonna go Corey connors because i just love him at 8300 and you know the best thing about these drafts i don't have to worry about playing donkey chalk here because i get all the points to myself yeah that's true and frankly a lot of the chalk will be drafted as the as the rounds go because obviously we're going six rounds and so it kind of forces you at some point usually to take a couple of guys that just aren't widely owned. And I think that's sort of the beauty of this show is that you're going to get different roster constructions just by default because you can't mm-hmm. take the same guy that somebody else took. I love Corey Connors, and I was singing his praises on this very show for the PGA Championship. And I could not believe, I literally could not believe, it's not like he wasn't rating out well. He was at like 7 8% the whole week. I didn't get it. I and so either. now I think, yeah, I, I just don't get it. Um, I think there's just a perception of Corey Connors, which I think is at least a little bit fair. But I mean, when when he's striking it like he is, it just makes sense to roster him. I think people have kind of caught on a little bit here, but I absolutely love the Corey Connors pick. Spencer, I'm going to go to you with a yes or no before your pick. Corey Connors, yes or no at 8,300? Yes. Joel? Yes. Ooh, that was reluctant. Interesting. (laughs) All right. Um, we'll have to see where the ownership goes. By the way, um, Sicily Kid at WindailySports.com, he'll publish his ownership article uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow early evening, late afternoon, and that's always super on point. So stay tuned for that. Spencer, it's your pick. All right, so the number one player in my model from expected way to T to green, so that would be mimicked for Mirfield Village here. Obviously, Scotty Shuffler, I think if you run a T to green metric, he's going to be number one in any course you throw him onto. Number two for me, is Hideki Matsuyama this week. I really like Hideki. He got off to a slow start to the season. Uh, We've seen him turn it around recently with multiple top 31 finishes in a row. I think anytime that you put him on these courses where you get some neutralization of the putter, you get these fast bent grass greens. We've seen him historically find success at tournaments like this. Uh, If you look at the fast, you know, greens of the Masters, he won the green jacket there. You have fast greens here. I think anytime that you can kind of get that ball striking to come to the forefront of what you're asking for. His win equity increases. So Hideki Matsuyama, 8,700 will be my pick. Yeah, we had a question from Ed, uh, who actually 
funny enough, he says, nice pick, Spencer. It's because he mentioned in the Wind Daily Sports Discord, literally like 20 minutes before this show started, that he liked Terrell Hatton and uh, Hideki Matsuyama. He wanted, uh, he wanted some of our input on that. So, Spencer, there's your input. I like Deki as well. Um, James, we've got back-to-back picks for Joel, so I'm going to give him a few more seconds. Your thoughts on Deki at 8,700? Uh, big buy. I, I, he was going to be my sneaky play this week. And then I did some preliminary ownership, uh, tonight and realized he's, he's not going to be sneaky at all. So, yeah. um, uh, I, I don't know if I can play a chalky decky, but for this draft, I love him. Yeah. And we'll see. I mean, right now he's at, he's at 14% or so between 13 and 14%. And, and to your point about chalk, because I know how you explain what chalk is, which is how you should explain what chalk is. There are guys around him that are not necessarily half the ownership, but certainly a lot less ownership. Uh, and yeah, up the board, you know, if, if you wanted to go, I don't want to, you know, name drop because we're doing a draft, but there's four or five guys right above Decky in particular that are going to carry probably like one half to two thirds of the ownership as he will. So yeah. just something I've just got so about. used to getting Decky at uh, like eight, and 9% ownership for like the last six months. Now, when he's like at 14%, it seems like unbearable. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like he's shaking off the neck injury. So, that yeah. I mean, that's definitely cause for uh, some optimism when it comes to him. Joel, pretty optimistic about your lineup. How are you going to screw it up? You got back-to-back picks. <laughs> well, at this point, you're right. It only can go down from here at Scheffler at the top. So what I'm going to do is there's there's two value plays that I really like above the rest of the value field where I'm going to start with here. And I'm going to go up and get my other guys later. The first one and my favorite value play, a guy I've mentioned a couple times over the last few weeks, um, it's one of the only guys in the 66K range that I want to play, and that's Mark Hubbard at 6,500. Mark Hubbard is just playing really good golf. I feel like 6,500 is just a really low price tag. If I'm going to play Scotty Scheffler, finding someone like Hubbard in this 6K range, you're going to need to balance out your lineup. And the results have been there for Mark. He's been over the last – this isn't just like the last tournament or two. He's been playing really well um, over his last five outings. He's a T11, T18, T27, 75th at the PGA Championship, which is excusable how difficult that course was playing. And he had a T9 at the Charles Schwab just last week. He's made the cut here twice. Um, I think this sets up for as a really good spot in the 6K range. I'm going to pair him with one of our own favorites, David's favorites, Mr. Fox, you know, at 7,100, he's a, another guy that's just playing great golf. And, you know, you got to find some, some consistency in this range. Otherwise, you're just kind of throwing darts. And he's been consistent. And he gives you good results. Again, he doesn't need to go out there and win this tournament. He gives us the top 25, top 20, which is what he's been doing pretty consistently over the last month and a half. At 7,100, it feels like a steal. We may have some news to break. I'm not going to do it, David. Um, you can do it right now if you wanted to. But we have some news to break potentially very soon as it relates to David and Ryan Fox, both New Zealanders, by the way. Um, so stay tuned for that because that's kind of exciting. Um, I, I don't mind either of these picks. As far as Mark Hubbard is concerned, um, I have like nine or ten guys in the 6K range that I actually like. That doesn't mean I'm going to play all of them, by the way. But I'll probably play like half of them because I don't play a ton of lineups. But uh, Mark Hubbard is certainly on that list. Spencer uh, is Mark Hubbard on the list of maybe some 6K values for you? I like Mark Hubbard this week. I, I think over, like compared to consensus, I'm always higher on Hubbard than most people are, but he's like a fringe top 45 sort of value for me in this tournament when comparing him to everybody. And you throw that into the $6,000 range and all of a sudden you do have nice value that you're getting at the price tag. I, I love the comments, by the way. Everybody in the chat, you guys are awesome. I the, So I've definitely watched your show enough times, uh, James, to know pretty much every reference. And uh, what was it? Uh, 
Brent says, uh, D-Gen is a big model guy. Like I just hear it in your <laughs> voice. And I, that, that's part of the reason your show is so great, honestly, because the way you say that stuff is really funny. So I can basically just channel what Brent typed and make it funny. So that's just great stuff. Um, Ryan Fox, James, real quick on him. Uh, any thoughts? I don't think I'm going to be on him this week, but is he somebody that that you like? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in a four-man draft, that's about as low as I would want to go. I'd feel pretty good if he's like the sixth most expensive guy in my lineup. Uh, you know, uh, parenting with Hubbard, like the double punt, I mean, he must he must have some uh, must be saving up for something big at the end. I can't wait to see. I, I already I'm already scrolling up thinking who is he saving to try to get here late, uh, saving all that money with those two picks. That's what I was thinking about. That's totally fair, um, Spencer. You got John Rom, you got Hideki. That's some pretty good win equity to start. Where are you going next? I'm gonna go to the opposite of win equity with this next pick. And and one of the things when I when I make a lineup and I'm just gonna throw it out there, I always try to construct mine as if it's an MME in mind here. So this is gonna get really volatile very quickly here. Uh, I'm gonna drop down to the bottom end of the six thousand dollar range. I'm gonna take Ches Revi at sixty two hundred. I don't think I have ever played Chez Revi in my entire life before. Uh, that is not necessarily the selling point to try to go in this direction here, but a couple things I like. So when I ran my strokes gain T to green, he's 90th on any course that you want to throw him onto out of 120 players. For this particular venue, 43rd here. So there's a 47 spot improvement. The form is trending in the right direction in five of his past six. I think he's been fine here historically with his 22nd in 2020, which you could make the argument that the distance has been added. And I don't necessarily want to look at that one particular stop. But um, if this plays out the way that I think it's going to play out, it'll make a lot more sense why Revy was the pick here. Yeah. And we liked him last week too, Spencer. I was on him. I played him in a lot of lineups with guys like Kevin Streelman. So I, I don't mind the review. In fact, I'm like literally the nine or 10 guys I mentioned. I have two guys in the 6,200 range that I think I might be willing to play. And Shez Revy is one of them. So James probably doesn't love that pick because we know what he's doing, at least with respect to this draft, 7,100 and above is probably going to be the range where he's in. But Joel, I want to ask you about Shez Revy. What are your thoughts? It does seem like pretty decent value, maybe some limited upside, but you know, top 65 in tides, it's 120 person field. He could make the cut and finish 38th, 34th. It's possible. Overall, I like Chez Revy, right? I, I do think I'm worried about the limited upside, but if, if you're looking for someone below 6,500, he'd be probably one of the first guys I'd look to. Fair enough. All right, James, we got Patrick Cantlay, the boring face that you hate. Corey Connors, also kind of a boring face. Are we going <laughs> yeah, with another team, boring face? Team, your third team boring pick? face tonight. Uh, this next guy, um, I, I, I'm actually kind of between two, but I think I'm going to take the one that I got to hedge against the audience here because I don't think they'll get to this other one. So uh, this guy is just one of the there's, – there's, this guy has ve- – he's very good or he's very bad. And he's uh, when he's at his courses where he feels good, he's very, very good. Uh, and uh, I, I need good Siwoo this week. So I'll take Siwoo Kim here. I, I absolutely love that pick. In fact, I think I had a show earlier today, the early wedge, where I, I only gave out three outrights because I don't love the outright card with the win equity being tied up with those those three at the top that are just at such short numbers. But one of the three I gave out was Siwoo Kim at 60 to one. I mean, I, I actually, listen, I, is he going to win this tournament? I mean, it would everything would have to break right, but he's been very good here. And the, the strokes gain metrics look very good as well. I don't have any problem with Siwoo Kim. Spencer, Siwoo Kim, yes or no? I think when this market opened and Siwoo Kim was 80 to 1, and I'll give a betting answer for a second, I kind of, my model at least, believes he was the best value on the board. I thought anything above 50 to 1 was value, and he's probably one of the better DFS plays. 
Yeah, I, I think it's tremendous value at 8,000. All right, team audience, we need some nominations. It's, it's hard to track. We have a lot of people in here. That's not a bad thing, but we have a couple of nominations. Let's rattle off a few more. It looks like, oh, David, um, who's producing and is usually an analyst and is, of course is always camped out in our Wind Daily Sports Discord with like just next level information and picks. Looks like he has a pick here as well. We'll see if that gets any backing, but it looks like Ricky Fowler is definitely one of the two guys that's going to be on team audience. So we can go ahead and put him in there. I certainly don't have a problem with Ricky Fowler. Uh, Joel, I'm going to go to you while we wait for the second pick here. Um, any any thoughts on Ricky Fowler in the player pool, outside of the player pool? I will say I was planning for my next two picks to be Siwoo Kim and Ricky Fowler. So yeah. I got to do some adjusting, but yes, I like the pick. Uh, Dustin w- Wiles nominates Fleetwood. He's definitely not in this field. So, right? Am I wrong? Did I miss something? Tommy Fleetwood not playing at the Memorial. Did we get a second nomination after Fowler it looks like was it Kucher somebody try to confirm in the chat did Kucher get a second nomination is the question I don't think he did so we are waiting Rye has two okay Aaron Rye I think a late addition to the field I don't mind Aaron Rye I mean he's a guy in that 6k range that I, I would be willing to play I don't really have a strong opinion on him I think the the game is trending in a, in a pretty decent direction Spencer I'm going to go to you on this one listen it's the 6K range. So we are basically conceding, you know, just like you did with Chez Reeve, like this is, it's at least a little puntish. I think Chez Reeve might even be safer than Aaron Rye, which is a funny thing to say. But Aaron Rye does have maybe more upside than Chez Reeve. So as a tournament play, I think I prefer Aaron Rye. What say you on that? I mean, I think that makes logical sense. Like the safest player for me, sub 6,500 or 6,500 and less would be Reeve. Um you know, that's not necessarily the answer that you're looking for is like come in 40th place if that's the case with it. But I, I do think this is one of those events where Reeve can be a little bit better. But no, I don't have a problem with Aaron Rye. It's like you kind of have to pick and choose your spots in this range. And you kind of mentioned it best. See, it's a 120 player field where it's top 65s and ties. You can take a few more shots, in my opinion. Totally agree. Yeah. James, um, feel free to share any sh- any thoughts on, on Ricky or Rye. But more importantly... Uh, Siwoo Kim, I think he also qualifies as maybe boring face. I, I kind of think I mean, he does. He has some pretty electric hair under those silly hats he wears. I want you to know. I wish he, I wish he could like do some cornrows or something. I think the, I think <laughs> Siwoo has that kind of game. I feel like he probably has an electric personality as well. Yeah. I mean, we've I, seen sort of glimmers of it. But um, where are we going? Are we going? Are we going boring with the no, next pick? I, I mean, he's not boring to me. This dude is a guy that's on my bucket list to party with once in my life. He's a big boy like me. Uh, 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 he's a guy who's trending in the right direction. And any time I think of a long, hard course that's going to kick these guys in the nuts, I want this guy every time. I want big Shane Lowry. Yeah, the audience uh, was trying to nominate him. It looks like Rye got that second nomination right before Lowry. Lowry seems like a pretty good value, Joel, at, at 8,100. I, I think he's a guy, just from a ball striking standpoint, we saw so much from him last year. It was like really almost like in a, in a Terrell Hatton way where we were like looking at the, you know, the tee to green stuff and the putter and we're like, man, this is kind of a can't miss guy. Well, in 2023, he's kind of been a miss guy more than a, a make guy, but the game does seem to be to fit this course and it does seem to be trending at least a little bit. Are you in or out on Shane Lowry? I'm in, and I, you're right. It's the trending. He's been gaining strokes, ball striking now for almost two months. Um, this long, difficult course seems like a good spot. And the 8,100 price tag, he has the upside in that price range. So he's the, another one that was going to be one of my replacement picks after Fowler and Seaman went. So I'm really scrambling here. 
I will say this again, the ownership is not final. We have a whole nother day to, to see some ownership numbers come in before our article is printed out and, and a lot of other sites as well, of course, but um, I encourage you to, you know, get into wind daily sports and check out the uh, Stephen Pilardi Sicily kids ownership article, because I'm noticing that the 8,000 to 8,500 range seems to be pretty chalky. And that if you do want to get different, it's above 8,500 and it's right below 8,000, which, you know, which of course is the 7k range where you're going to enjoy maybe getting off of some of that chalk. So just something to think about. None of that is final, but it does make sense that guys like, you know, Adam Scott, Shane Lowry, maybe Wyndham Clark, Corey Connors, Sahith and uh, Ricky Fowler would be pretty popular along with Decky in a way as well. But uh, keep that in mind, Spencer, You've got John Rahm, Hideki Matsuyama, our boy, Shez Revi. Who's next? All right. So, Joel, you're rich. You have a lot of money. I might need to borrow some of those dollars after this pick is done because I'm not going to have any money left. I don't want to name too many players here because I do think it gives away a lot on the show. Um, it would probably, I guess I'll just go to the general range. It would probably be much savvier for me to go into this $8,000 section and to grab somebody there that I do think is a very under the radar play this week that has massive upside. But look, I mean, let's, let's get wild here today. Rory McIlroy. Whoa. What? Rory Sabatini. (laughs) (laughs) So I know McIlroy has been dealing with two way misses and you know, I think like in an ideal world, I would have rather have had Patrick Cantlay or Xander Shoffley here with the way that the board played out. I'll take Rory here who I, there's going to be some sort of a leverage answer that's given now you could argue how much are you actually getting depending on what the ownership comes into play here but i like this venue for rory like look the masters finish throw that out he's going for the career grand slam that's fine wells fargo didn't look good i thought he looked good at the pga championship he kind of put it together a little bit he finally turned it back around so uh this lineup has gotten out of control and if anybody hates any of the picks that I've made so far, wait till you see what I have in store later. <laughs> well, this is interesting because I, I will say this, James, I'm going to kick this to you in a second, because I think I know what your feelings are uh, when it comes to Roy McIlroy. But I will say this. One thing you can appreciate, James, is the fact that he, he is undoubtedly going to be leveraged. Like this is not oh. going to adjust where all of a sudden he's going to like everybody's going to see it and he's going to spike to 15, 16, 17 percent. So uh, the numbers I'm seeing right now are actually right in the 10% range for Roy McIlroy. So other numbers might be different, but um, you got to like that part of it. But would you be playing Rory? Well, I got, I think almost all those other guys up there, Xander, Cantlay, Rom, Scheffler, I think all of them are going to get at or above 20%. And I do think Rory is going to be right at pushing single digits, right at 10%. And then it just, it just becomes like a game theory question. Like, are any of those guys twice as likely to outperform Rory on a given week of DFS? And undoubtedly the answer is no. If you think that I'll, I'll give you two to one on any of those guys and I'll take the loser Rory. And he's not that bad. I mean, yes, he sucks for a world elite, but He's, he's not twice as bad as those guys. So he is going to be a leverage play, which makes me want to bomb it because I play the game. And when you play the game, you got to play losers like Rory when he's a good leverage play. That's right. And, and, and the thing about guys like Rory, guys that are top tier golfers, they can turn it on at any given moment. Colin Morikawa is one of those guys too. Sorry, I'm probably like table talking a little bit here. We, uh, James and I were talking poker beforehand. So we don't want to table talk necessarily, but there are guys that are like elite players that it's just not going to shock anybody if they're like, boat racing everybody on Sunday. So I think Rory fits into that category where he can turn it around 
in a snap. So I, I, I think it's a great tournament play. Uh, and a la- and, uh, the last time we saw him, he had a pulse. He did just fine at the PGA championship. I think a lot of people are just reading into him bitching about the par fives here last year. Uh, you know, I think people really overreact to that. You know, like, it's kind of like, Oh, Colin Morikawa can't hit his fade this week. And then he goes out and wins the tournament by like six shots. People overreact to this news. Oh, he got a new caddy. Can't play him this week. He lost his reliable caddy. And then everybody's off of a guy. Um, you know, people overreact to that stuff. So that's why I'm not reading too much into Rory uh, uh, not liking this course or any of that nonsense. By the way, I actually forgot that he finished seventh at the PGA Championship. Yeah. If you had asked me, because I just wasn't looking at it at the time, if you had just like blindly asked me, I, I don't know that I would have been able to deliver that answer. I probably would have said like, oh, I was probably like 19th or something. So <laughs> you're right. It's not like he was that bad. It's a very um, obvious point, but an interesting one nonetheless. Joel, you've got Scotty Scheffler. You got Mark Hubbard, you got David's boy Ryan Fox, and now you got two picks to go. A decent amount of money to go around. What what are you doing next? All right. So with my my first pick here, uh, I'm going with another guy who <clears throat> I think his talent just outweighs his price tag, and I think he's it's a misprice. And you're getting a guy with a lot of upside. Now it's I know I know there's going to be a reaction when I make this pick because it's like of course he's going to withdraw, and I know he's hurt, and there's questions around his wrist. But Jordan Spieth at under 9K in this tournament seems way too low. He has the upside to win the whole tournament. Uh, and, like, you got to find a play like Spieth who can get you that top five if you're going to play someone like Scotty because that is your guy to pair with them to get you in there and you can still build a balanced lineup. So I'm going to go with Spieth here. Obviously, the injury risk is there, and I'm scared of it. Now that I've drafted him, he's probably going to end up withdrawing. But um, he's saying that it's not as bad. It's not that bad. He says that he's okay. Doesn't mean we should listen to him because Paul Casey said he was fine and withdrew a million times. So we'll see what happens. But I do think at 8,900, that's just a great price tag for what you get in the profile of a golfer for Jordan Speed. And with the next pick, it's a similar kind of thought process, right? A much lower scale. Um, but with my next pick, I'm going to take Harris English. I mean, he looked great last week. He's now 7,500. But that, rewind two years ago, Harris English is easily in the 8K range, high 8K range. This is an elite golfer, and he fell off. He was hurt. He was out of golf, not really playing for a while, but he looks to be back. He's playing really well right now. He's gained strokes um, the last three tournaments he's played, and he almost won the tournament last week. I thought he was going to win. He didn't play great on Sunday. But other than Sunday, he played. He was playing great golf all week. T3 at the Wells Fargo. He was the guy at the PGA Championship. I'm going to excuse that because that course was playing really tough. Uh, 12th at the Charles Schwab. And he also has two top 20s here at this course in his career. So seems like a good spot for, for Harris English. I mean, I love both of these picks a lot. And I'm not a Jordan Spieth guy. I'm certainly not a Harris English guy. But I, I, I will tell everybody I'll be playing both of those guys. What's really interesting about Jordan Spieth, and, and James, I want to get your opinion before we get to Spencer's pick. But I do want to say this. The ball striking has actually been really good for Jordan Spieth. I think the injury was basically a non-existent thing. I just don't think he wanted to play the Byron Nelson. And he was, you know, was a sponsor. And he was just one of those deals where he's like, I got to come up with something here. And so good on him. Because, I, you know, you don't want to just be like, I'm missing the tournament. So, he kind of pretended he might have had a, a, a more sore wrist than, than he actually had. But the ball striking has been good for him. What hasn't been good is the around the green play. So I went back and checked how the around the green play was for Jordan Spieth over the last four years, where he's just like constantly top 20. Total strokes gained short game at the Memorial over the last four years. This is short game. So around the green and putting combined. Seven, three, four, and I believe it was 10.87. He is dominant with the short game here. So to the extent he's been terrible with the short game over the last three rounds, or I should say the last three tournaments, the recipe for that would probably be for him to go to the Memorial 
and get that magic bat. So you pair the ball striking that's already good with that short game. I think this is a really good recipe. That was one of the other outrights I actually gave out, which will be in the Wind Daily Sports Discord, along with my head-to-head matchups, top 20s and first-round leaders, all that stuff. But long story short, sorry for that rant. I just think Jordan Spieth's a really smart play as long as the ownership doesn't get out of control. Spencer, it's your pick, but James, English and Spieth, where are you at on both of those guys? I mean, my soul is on the floor right now uh, because Joel just ripped it out when he took Jordan Spieth. I was already calculating. I already had my last two guys in. I was for sure I was going to get Spieth. Uh, I love him. And here's here's the reason you should know Jordan Spieth's going to do great this week because nobody's on him, right? Everybody, everybody plays Jordan Spieth. He sucks last week. Uh, probably the last 50 times he's been chalky, he's busted. And then when nobody's on him, he's going to go out there, I would say, like T5 at worst this week. Jordan Spieth's a nuts play this week. Yep. I absolutely love it. I love it. And I love the English play too. The game is oh, really yeah. coming oh, yeah. on and it's really trending in a positive direction. Don't, over the last don't, for, don't forget Ropat was winning up until uh, Sunday. He had a little meltdown, but he's a veteran. Like a bad Sunday round's not going to affect him like it would a young kid. He's going to bounce back. And um, I think he's uh, a very good play. He's also going to make an appearance at the end of this show when we spend just a couple minutes on some first round leaders. Spoiler alert. Spencer, what's your spoil? You got John Rom, you got Hideki, Shez. And Rory, you got two picks left. Who's next? I will quadruple down on the Jordan Spieth pick. I think he's one of the best leverage plays on the board. But there are five golfers for me that are inside the top 25 of my expected scoring for this tournament that are in the $7,000 range. Now, four of those names are 7,700 or higher which means that if I play one of them, I'll legitimately be playing myself in this tournament if I want to round out a lineup. But... (laughs) The fifth name here is K.H. Lee, which is still going to make it difficult to try to round this out. But 14th for me in expected weighted scoring. He climbs inside the top 20 for me for weighted tee to green. I think there's a lot to like about him at what I have right now to be sub 5% ownership. Yeah, I like the weighted tee to green stuff. I actually like he's accurate too, but he actually has a little bit more distance than I think people think. You pair that with the accuracy. I think he makes a lot of sense. It's James's pick, but Joel, yes or no on KH Lee? No. Fair enough. All right. And, and for the record, that doesn't necessarily mean Joel hates KH Lee, but he can't have everybody in his player pool. We can't say yes to everybody. So um, love the conviction there. James, Shane Lowry was the last, but listen, I, I, I love your team right now. I'm going to steal it, by the way, because we, we all have license to steal teams and play them. I'm stealing this one unless you really screw it up with the last two picks. Well, that's so funny because I'm literally about to throw a change up here. I, I, I had one path I was going to go. I have my conservative route, but I've just I've just decided to go crazy. I'm not going to be it. out. I'm not going to be out crazy by these crazy lineups. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I probably shouldn't say who I was going to pick because I could tip it off. But I was going to go with two 7K guys to round this out. Just have a nice balanced lineup. No punts in my lineup. But uh, you know what? I, you know what? YOLO. YOLO. Uh, If you don't know, I live in the great state of Oklahoma. We have the University of Oklahoma here, the Sooners, and they have a guy who was quite the golfer here just a couple years ago, and we he had a big splash on the PGA last year, and we haven't seen him for like a year because he never gets sponsors invites, but he's got one this week. So with my fifth pick, I'm going to take Chris Goddard up. Wow. Not going to be out crazy. I will not be out crazy. That is bananas. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let me ask you, Spencer, um, did he make it on sort of to, to any sort of list where you were like, all right, there's some value here with Chris Goddard. I mean, I can't listen. This is one of those things where he hasn't been playing a ton, right, James? So it's not like he's going to flash in a model, right? 
Yeah, I mean, well, he looks great in a model if you're looking at old statistics, right? Because it's still pulling all of his nice run that he had back in 2022. Uh, but he's, you know, he's had a pulse on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's been getting finishes there. Um, you know, I, and I just, I, he's just a guy that I like at long, difficult courses on the little sample size I have of him. Uh, and uh, honestly, more than anything, he just allows me to have some freedom with my last pick. Love it. All right. Well, we've got our last pick, SIA audience, and we've got two of them to go. And it looks like, Plenty of nominations are coming in. If, if we've gotten a second on any of these guys, somebody uh, go ahead and put that in the chat. But some interesting names here. I see Harmon. I see Adam Scott. Uh, Lower, Lauer and Day are in here. Do we have a second on any of these guys? Day, it appears, has a second, which I guess we can afford Day and then we'll have to go down. So give us Jason Day and let's see how much we have left. What is that? Is that 6,100? Yeah. Oh, ouch. All right. Well, <laughs> we're not math geniuses here um, at the PGA DraftCast. So, hey, listen, we picked day. So who is 6,100? Is Lauer 6,100? Can somebody confirm that? Because David has typed it. As a man a that was just looking down yes. there, I don't, that doesn't, yes. okay, he was, okay. Oh, let's, let's, let's pick him then. All right. That sounds good. Listen, I got to give David some credit on this pick, not only for nominating uh, Justin Lauer, right? Yeah, Justin Lauer, but you know, he's been tracking Justin Lauer and he pointed out something. It was either on this show or right before this show a couple of weeks ago about how the approach game is trending for him. So I don't think this is as much of a left field play as many people might think. So listen, I, I don't I'm, I'm not going to pretend I, I know one way or the other whether I think that's a great pick. Joel, any opinion on Justin Lauer? A similar answer to Revy. If you want to play someone that low in a price tag, he's one of the guys I'd go to. Generally, I'm trying to avoid going that low. James, you got a take on this guy? Yeah, I mean, uh, on on Justin Lauer? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, he's he's the nuts at showdown. That guy will get you eight birdies in a round, and then the other three rounds, he's garbage. But for a single round of showdown, that guy breaks slates. Uh, he's on my top ten, just like nuclear guys. Love that. Uh, Spencer, uh, how about you? Does he show up anywhere for you? He's been trending recently with some of his ball striking numbers and the results have turned around. So, I mean, you can do worse than him down in this range and I will do worse than him when I make a pick in a second. <laughs> well, James, it's your pick, but before you give your pick, you just mentioned uh, some of the guys you like to play in showdown. Of course, we do a lot of stuff for showdown too. We, we, you, you just referenced how Joel is just kind of one of the guys that's really been good in the showdown world for a few years. And David does a lot of the showdown stuff for us as well in our discord, but you do a lot of showdown stuff, but you do a lot of other stuff too. Can you just speak to like what your site does and what you do on YouTube before you make your final pick on the PGA Draftcast? Yeah. So, I mean, like I, I do week long, AKA kicking the nuts. Uh, Cause you know, it's really hard and I do showdown content for PGA and I really just focus on, you know, like literally everybody in this industry, cause this is just how it's always been is real big on picks. And I just don't really ever do picks. Um, just trying to teach people how to play the game. I've been doing it for a long time, grinding it. And uh, you know, I've just picked up a lot of lessons along the way from the school of hard knocks and constantly getting kicked in the nuts from uh, PGA DFS. And I just try to pass that along to people because even the littlest things can make uh, PGA DFS so much more fun, so much more sustainable. And if you get good at it and you stick with it long enough, you can even become a winning player in the long run. And I'm trying to give people those tools instead of being like, you've got to play Jordan Spieth this week. That's just not really my thing. And so that's what I do over there. Um, uh, just trying to make, you know, just, just doing it a little, just doing content a little bit different, I guess would be the way I would put it. And for the two people that don't know who you are and don't know how to get to you on YouTube, how do, how do, they, how do they follow you on YouTube? 
just degenerate 75. You should see Ron Burgundy uh, uh, is my little uh, uh, moniker. And, uh, you know, I do the I do the live stream every Wednesday, uh, 7 p.m. Lord's time zone. That's central. And uh, we, we do that. We kind of go over all the last minute stuff you need as far as weather, ownership, uh, all the sweaty, try hard stuff that you really need to consider before locking in your lineups. And then I do it again Friday and Saturday night for round three and round four showdown, because those are, of course, the most popular rounds for showdown uh, when the field gets cut down and we have some data to look at. We got some weather to factor in. You know, it gets real fun. And uh, Joel, Joel will attest to this. The edge at, at PGA Weeklong is is minuscule, but the the edge at PGA Showdown is monstrous if you know what you're doing and you're willing to commit to that the, how to play it. Highly recommend everybody check Degenerate Seventy Five out on YouTube if you're not already, and I imagine a lot of you already are doing that. James, you got one pick left. You went Chris Gotter up with your fifth pick. Uh, not a, I did not expect that. What are we doing with your last pick? These guys got in my head. You guys did an inception. You got in there and you, 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 you this is how far you're in my head right now. I did some monkey math and I thought I was going to have 9,000 left over and I'm really good at math. So that's pretty tilting that I messed that up. So I, I was going to grab a guy that was 9,000. I don't want to say any names to give away who it is, but he is the only guy priced at 9,000. Um, and so now I don't have that freedom. So I guess I'm just going to, I guess we're going to uh, a punt a little bit here with a guy that I don't even particularly like, but you know what? Maybe he's going to be my new Jordan Spieth when nobody likes him. I'll just play that little leprechaun. And so because of that, I'm going to play uh, uh, Cam Young. I'm going to take Cam Young. I have enough to afford him. So I'll take Cam Young. All right. Any thoughts on just the state of Cam Young's game? I mean, like, listen, I understand that this is probably as much an ownership play as anything else, but because he's, it looks like he's going to be like around 10%. But are are you, is this really just an ownership play, a leverage play? or, Or do you think Cameron Young, the state of the game is good enough for him to compete? No, he's been playing like garbage, and I think he's a terrible fit here, and I don't like anything about him, but if I've learned anything about PGA DFS, uh, especially at Showdown, sometimes when people make no sense, that's when they make the most sense. So, uh, And I don't, I don't want to drop – I mean, I have all this money left. I don't want to drop down to Sam Burns. It's like, well, who am I spending this money on? So I'm just taking, a, you know, quote-unquote, the best available right now with my 8,900 left because I'm a donkey at math. <laughs> Well, hopefully this Cameron Young new caddy narrative, maybe maybe it takes hold <laughs> here at the Memorial. Because yeah, <laughs> it has to, to hurry up. Uh, maybe Webb could just grab him back uh, for the sake of Cameron Young. Uh, Spencer, you got one pick left. You got KH Lee and Roy with your, your previous two. Uh, very interesting team. I think this is a pretty great tournament team, if you ask me. Who's next, though? So when I said that it might be smarter for me to go into the $8,000 range and I thought there was a golfer that was possessing leverage, it was Cameron Young. And I actually think Cameron Young is a good fit here despite some of the narratives of accuracy. Uh, When I ran this looking for thick, rough, and easy to hit fairways, all of a sudden Cameron Young became the number one total driver in my model. I think he's a great GPP play to consider. People forget he was competing in this tournament last year before he shot an 84 on Sunday and absolutely imploded himself off the leaderboard. He was leading after day one near the top 10 after or going into Sunday. And then that unmitigated disaster took place. So I really like the Cameron Young play, but I am also not going to be outdone when it comes to wild here. And I will live in this YOLO world right now. And I'm from the state of Nevada and the city of Las Vegas. And I mean, I don't know what we're known for strippers and strip clubs, I guess, but I am going to take a golfer at $6,000. Jason Duffner. Wow. I didn't even know Duffner was from Las Vegas. Is that a he's thing? Not, but, okay, uh, no. I feel like he's a guy that would like a strip club. Okay. Yeah. He does look, <laughs> like, he does look like a dude that would be in a strip club for sure. 
By the way, I live in South Florida and I resent that. I, we are known for strippers and strip clubs. Uh, I'm just saying, <laughs> we, we get that too. I don't know why I'm, I'm you South Floridian so prideful about your strippers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jason Duffner. Interesting. Listen, I'm not going to be on Jason Duffner. Uh, Joel, a- any thoughts on maybe throwing Jason Duffner in, 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 in your, in your lineups? Definitely not. Unfortunately, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to get to Duffner this week. Unfortunately, uh, I do want to make a quick comment though about Chris Goddard, because you mentioned about him being an Oklahoma guy. I find it interesting. You drafted him because you're bridging the gap. As I'm in New Jersey, he also spent most of his college mm-hmm. career at Rutgers. So he feels like a good fit to be on a team, on the show. And I think he does have some upside. So I like that pick. Um, but for my last pick here, I kind of ran out of options, even though I will say I do like the pick I'm going to make. So he kind of – I really don't really have a choice based on where my salary ranges and everyone else around him being gone. But he was one of the guys I've been targeting for making the traps. So it felt to me I'm happy with the pick. It's a hit the dollar. A fun fact about Sith Thigala that I want to just put out there that people probably might not realize, Sith Thigala is tied for second right now in top 10s in this year in the PGA Tour and only one back from the league. This guy gets top 10s. He's been there over and over again. This looks like a good spot for him to get back. He had some struggles recently off the tee. If he hits the ball in the fairway this week, I think him competing and being in the top 10 is very much so important. It's another one of those guys where you're looking for that top 10, top five upside in the 8K range as you're looking to cram Scheffler or Rom in your lineup. This is how you do it. James, I want to go to you here. I like to hit the gala quite a bit. Uh, weighted tee to green, weighted approach, weighted around the green, good history here. Um, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I, I love I'm a, I'm say hit to gala slut. That that needs to be on the record. But I will say, at a course like this where it can get so punitive with wonky drives, when hit the gala misses a bad drive, it's worse than me. I mean, that thing goes further off course than any PGA professional I've ever seen. So if he's dialed in with the driver, and not even the driver, if he's just not being crazy off the tee and he's keeping the ball in play. From second shot in, I think he has the goods to win this tournament. It's really just gonna come down to is that driver gonna put him out of contention before the tournament even starts. Yeah, what's interesting about that, and so this is one thing that's kind of a blind spot for me and probably a lot of other people, is how much, how many times is he pulling out the driver? Is right. he playing this as more of a positional course, even though it's not a positional course? But, you know, he has the last two years, a fifth and a 32nd here, if memory serves. Like, he's clearly, like, figured something out with this course where he's, I mean, unless he's just been striping it, you know, off the tee both of those times. You know, he's put himself in a position to, to finish pretty well. So I, I, I just wonder, James, I wanted to ask you, do you ever kind of consider or do, we don't have the numbers on that? I don't know, Spencer, maybe you do in terms of how many times you think a guy is just going to leave the driver in the bag. Yeah, definitely. I, I love certain guys at club down courses, right? You know, like the famous example are guys like, you know, Gary Woodland and stuff like that. There's such better players when they leave their driver in the bag. And a lot of people think that means tight technical courses, but the, a course like this, there's a lot of holes where you can leave the driver in the bag. And if you were good with your three wood, you would be good here. Like Henrik Stinson back in the day, if you know about him and his three wood would be a guy that I would love at a course like this. A guy that just puts it out there 265, 275 straight every time I think is going to have you uh, 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 looking at, at pars all day on the hard on the hard holes and that's what you need to do survive the difficult holes here get get a few birdies on the par fives and you're going to do great here well joe i think we can pull the the board down but spencer i wanted to ask you about sahith as well he's a friend of the show he, he started following us after we referenced him some time ago uh which was kind of cool i actually asked him if he wanted to do an interview and he didn't respond so sahith so that, that that's still open that offer still open but how you feel about spencer about sahith the this week 
I've kind of gone the opposite direction. That's kind of the answer that I typically give. I think he's very popular. I think that the price tag has really increased at this point. And James kind of said it best. Like, I mean, Cameron Davis would be another guy at a club down course. If Sahit leaves the driver in the bag, then sure, maybe there can be more upside here. But and I know the, the course history is really good, but I worry about the wayward miss for him. And I kind of worry about that wayward miss when we're talking about 15% plus ownership at a price tag that's now in this $8,000 range. Yeah, fair enough. I see him at 13%, but that's pretty close to, to your number, Spencer. So again, I encourage everybody to uh, check out Sicily Kids' ownership article at windailysports.com tomorrow, probably around 5, 6 o'clock at the very latest. Joel, are we ready? Are we ready to make everybody gobs of money? We're going to do it. It's coming now. Before we dive in, Hit the like button. Give us a follow. It goes a long way. But the first round leader is where we get rich. And that's what we're going to dive into right now. By Thursday evening, you'll be counting your cash. Spence, who are you looking at in the first round of the market? So I was too busy this week trying to figure out how to fit Jason Duffner into a lineup to have <laughs> picks to have right now. I'll give an honorary selection in a different market. That's what I try to do when I forget to look at the first round leader. But I don't think this is the greatest head-to-head market I've ever seen before. I never like jumping to the near the top of the market. I'd rather play these scrub versus scrub battles versus these star versus star battles. But I really like Hideki Matsuyama in pretty much any any iteration of the market that you can talk about. I thought Hideki minus 110 over Sam Burns was a very intriguing wager because Burns was one of those golfers that kind of just had negative trajectory with each total driving number that I ran. He was inaccurate at any course, but he was also inaccurate at venues like this. Love it. I like that one. I love it. I love it. James, how about you? Who are you looking at in the first round of your market this week? Yeah, I so first of all, I you know, I, I could just – the Scotty Scheffner kid looks pretty good. I have a feeling about him. Uh, but on a, you know, like a couple to give you like some people I would really consider betting. You would probably get numbers that would be real. Uh, I know enough about showdown to know that that morning waves are just typically score better than afternoon waves. So I'm definitely going to would, I would definitely be taking morning guys, especially as it gets up to the mid 80s on Thursday. This course is going to get super firm and super fast in the afternoon. So I definitely don't want any of those guys. So that takes out half the field. And I also want to look at guys that are just kind of good at boat racing uh, round ones, right? Some guys just go out there. It used to be Charlie Hoffman back when I first started. Um, and guys that I see that fit both those criterias that are in that Goldilocks zone, give me Adam Scott and uh, uh, old visor himself, Keith, Keith Mitchell. Wow, Keith. I think Keith Mitchell is a really intriguing DFS play also. There's not a lot of people on him in top 10 inside my model in total driving for this course. Love it. I love it. I love it. And I will add, Keith Mitchell was someone I was considering in drafting as well. So I, I like Keith Mitchell this week. I, I just have a couple plays for the first round leader. My home run play, the big odds. I'm going to go with Steven Yeager at 80 to 1. We've seen him pop. Um, I don't think he can sustain four rounds here, but I think he can get you one. I think he can get you one. A first round leader, 80 to 1 is a really good number there. Um, another guy I like who's been playing sneakily really good golf recently is Benny Ann at 70 to 1. Um, I think he's another one that I don't fully trust as much for four rounds, but I do think he can have a pop first round here as well. And my more realistic top of the leaderboard player in the first round leader market is going to be at 35 to one. I'm sorry. It's 30 to one, not 35 to one. Uh, Victor Hovland. When I mean, we've seen Victor Hovland recently pop in these first rounds, I mean, he's been over and over showing really well. Um, he's playing really good golf. It's a really good spot for him. So 
Victor Hovland is my favorite first-round leader play. But never mind that. See ya. We need you to enlighten us. If I were to go to my grandmother and take a mortgage out on her home and put yes. the whole thing Thursday on one guy to be the first leader, who would you suggest? That and, and of course, that's what you should do. James, just to give you some background here, like two years ago, we did this as a bit like, hey, invest all your money in the first round leader. Like it was truly a bit. But then we, and it wasn't just me, okay? It was Joel and Spencer too. We started hitting first round leaders at like, you know, a kind of a ridiculous rate. And so now the bit kind of became reality, but it's also still a bit. So just for the new watchers out there, um, we're not really saying put all of your money on the first round leader, but we're saying put all your money on the first round leader. Okay, Joel, let to, me answer your question. To me, it sounds a lot like showdown versus week long. It's just so much easier to win at showdown than it is to win at week long at, at PGA DFS. I think there's something to that uh, for first round leaders versus trying to pick the guy who's going to win the tournament. Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? Because I'm going to tell everybody who the actual first-round leader is going to be on Thursday at the Memorial. But before I do that, let me just name a few other names that might be in contention. You never know. Maybe they'll be tied for first. So I've got four guys here, but I just want to mention two long shots just for the sake of mentioning them. Uh, speaking of boat racing, uh, the Degenerate 75 said it. Who can boat race a course? Round one, round two, round three, or round four. Well, he was mentioning round one. Well, I know John Rahm has boat raced this course before. And I don't want to take John Rahm at the short number of plus 750 or wherever he's at right now. But I think I'll take him at plus 1,800. That's still a big enough number for me to be excited about if it hits. So John Rahm at plus 1,800. Siwoo Kim at plus 5,000. Cam Davis at plus 7,000. Harris English, 75 to 1, plus 7,500. Okay, so the two long shots, by the way, are Austin Ekro and Akshay Bati at 110 to 1, if you want to throw like a dollar or two on them. But I just mentioned the guy that's actually going to be your first-round leader, but I'm going to say his name again because he is definitely going to be the first-round leader at the Memorial at 50 to 1, I just mentioned him. It's Siwoo Win. Siwoo Kim will be your first round leader at the 2023 Memorial at Muirfield. You're welcome, everybody. It's that easy. It's really that simple. You sign it up, you put all your money, everything you have access to. I personally am putting all 150K I just won two weeks ago on Siwoo Kim to be the first round leader. And then you can, Joel, you can get an advance on your credit cards too. You could actually even apply for a credit card right now and maybe get approval before they tee off tomorrow at, what, 8 a.m.? Smart. Something yeah. to think about. Yeah, I should definitely go put myself into debt to make sure I win the max possible. That's right. Yeah. It's called an investment. So you're not just here for the golf picks. You're here for the financial advice. That's what we do on the PGA DraftCast. But in, in all seriousness, huge, huge, huge thank you to James, the Degenerate 75, the host of the showdown hoedown if you watch this of which if you're watching us you do you know how great james is he gives great content all week on each of these tournaments james thanks for joining us today man guys i you know i try to support everybody in the content community because i know what a grind it is and you know the truth is is there's just so many people doing it it gets hard to watch every show but you guys are the one show that uh i just never miss so uh big fans and i it, it was it, it was a, a pleasure to be on and it lived up to the expectations James, we really appreciate it. All of you that came in here because James is here, thank you. Hopefully you come back next Tuesday. We do it every single Tuesday at 9 o'clock. And for those of you that, for whatever reason, didn't know who Degenerate 75 was, and honestly, I think that's probably like two people that were watching this because I don't know how that's even possible, please make sure you watch his showdown stuff, his, what is it, kick in the what, James, for week long? 
it's kicking the nuts. It's kicking right. the nuts. So make sure you watch his content too. I think it's a really nice one-two punch with us on Tuesday night and James. And, and like James said, there's so much other good content out there that you probably should be absorbing as well. But uh, we appreciate everybody stopping by uh, tonight and next week and, and every other week. We're going to have some more big guests as we get to the next major. But I'll tell you what, we always close the show with one thing, James. And, and Spencer, I'm, I'm forgetting. What, what is it again? Sports. Joel, is that right? No. It's that's not right, Spencer. Jason Day? It is Jason Day. No, it's sports. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.